At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The people murdered in the shootings have risen consistently. So when mass shootings first started to become a thing, the people that were murdered in these shootings started to compound and gain in how many people died per incident. Three men entered the schoolhouse of schoolmaster Enoch Brown. The men bludgeoned and shot the schoolmaster and then clubbed 10 students before scalping all of them. One of the greatest indicators of whether or not someone might become a school shooter is violence. 70% of mass shooters are connected to domestic violence. Travis thought that Taylor Swift was personally stalking him and hacking his phone. To be honest, I went with a pastor, which just gives me weird, like, horse girl energy. So, Battle, you say you want to go first, right? Yeah, that's fine. No, I think you should go first. Like, you're doing, like, an overview, right? Yeah, you should also lotion up your hands because you have ashy fingers. That is anyway, not ash. welcome to Bro- that the Murder. That is paint. <laughs> so, welcome to Bros the Murder, where we give you true con cases of color, music you probably have a nerd of, and also ashy knuckles from Battle. Now, on this episode... <laughs> We're going to be discussing mass shootings because there's a lot of them. We got a lot of feelings and thoughts about them. But most importantly, we're going to be answering the question, does America have a mass shooting problem? Which I think we probably all agree that we do because it's a very almost strictly American thing because really no other country has the amount of mass shootings like back to back that we do. And especially to like the ah, what's the word? Like the amount magnitude? of magnitude, yeah, magnitude, but also like the places that get attacked because they're always places where like vulnerable people are. It's like these America ones specifically target vulnerable people, which is something that I've noticed. In the last few weeks, the United States has 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 <laughs> very eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> Push through Princess Diana. Yes. In the last few weeks, the United States has seen a lot of tragic death. And while you may say, yeah, people die every day, right? Unfortunately, for the victims in our cases today, these deaths probably could have been prevented. Definitely. Yeah, they're absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, mass shootings are preventable. So yeah. What's up, everyone? It's me, Battle. And... If you didn't know, we are going to discuss the United States and if the United States has a gun problem. Gee, I wonder. So, if you go online and search, what is a mass shooting? You'll find out that the murder of four or more people with no cooling off period is what defines a mass shooting. And it's kind of consistent with a lot of different sources. Wait, I have a quick question. Yeah. Does anyone have a definition of a spree killing? 
Because was it, would a mass shooting kind of fall under a spree killing type thing, or I think so, but it, I think a spree, a mass shooting is exclusive to gun violence. Gun violence. Well, and spree spree killings are also like a bunch of shootings in a very short amount of time. So, like a serial killer can kill over the course of years, whereas like the DC snipers are considered spree killers because they were only shoot like killing people between a certain amount of a short period of time relatively speaking yeah. whereas like mass is usually just different locations day. different shootings yeah. right yeah well and also there's there's like a debate about whether it's four people shot or four people killed and like depending on like the organization you go to who records this like the the gun violence archive i believe does four people shot not four people killed so depending on which the, i think is the better your definition yeah, I, I do too. Like, if a kid brings a gun to school and four kids get shot, that's still a school shooting. It's still a mass shooting, yeah. in my mind. But I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's 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 dependent on how many people die. But again, it varies between what source you're looking at, and it's pretty much mass shooting is. It means where there are four more people killed within a short amount of time versus over an extended amount of time with a firearm, of course. Also, whether or not these shootings take place in a private or public area, because they happen in private a lot, they happen amongst family a lot, they are all considered to be mass shootings nonetheless. In 2019, research done by the National Institute of Justice found that 20% 20% of 164 cases in their databases happen in their database happen within 5 years of 2019 and that more than half of the shootings have occurred since 2000 and 20 or in 33% since 2010 and in that same data it was found that the people murdered in the shootings have risen consistently. So when mass shootings first started to become a thing, the people that were murdered in these shootings started to compound and gain in how many people died per incident. That makes sense. I mean, do we think that's like technology based? Like as technology improved, like the killing potential increased? I think it's a mixture of technology, but then also a mixture of... Right. So I always think about when a mass shooting happens with, by the way, in the last month, there have been like a shit ton. Even in the past weekend. Yes. Yeah. Since Uvalde, there's been 20, not including this recent one that just happened in Philly that we'll just save till the end and talk about. Right. So they have risen in how many casualties there are. So, in the 70s, it was about 5.7 lives per year that were lost. In the 80s, it was it rose to 14. The 90s, it hit about 21. And the 2000s, it reached 23.5 lives per year for mass shootings. And in 2019, it was found that an average the average was about 51 deaths per year because of mass shootings. And it's important to know that while mass shootings are a small percentage of gun violence here in the United States, it is important to know that since 2009, there have been 277 mass shootings in the United States, which resulted in 1,560 people being shot and killed 
and this doesn't account for the other 1,000 people that were shot and wounded. Because, again, they have a differentiation between a mass shooting being people that actually die versus people that get shot and survive. So, according to Everytown Research, one in three mass shootings involved a shooter that was legally pro prohibited from possessing firearms at the time of the shooting. And what that means is that the United States currently has no comprehensive federal law that requires a background check for a background check on all weapon sales. And you may think, okay, yeah, I've gone to Bass Pro Shop before because I have <laughs> gone to Bass Pro Shop and bought a gun and they did run my information. You know, they did stuff like that. I'm far or, too pretty to go on Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a shotgun one day. Hey, wait, go hunting. Can't, wait, can't anyone in America just buy a shotgun? Like that's one of Yes. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. So they they may have ran my stuff or they may not before purchasing weapon, but I don't know. So this is not the same for private sellers be, because you can pretty much go to someone and say, hey, I want to buy this gun. And they're like, all right, cool. Here you could buy it. Hence there. Yeah. Which leads back to my statement earlier that there's no comprehensive federal law that requires a background check when people purchase a gun. Think about the people that you know that are criminals, that have a history of violence against people or animals, that are able to purchase purchase weapons by buying through private sellers. And the numbers would probably shock you. There are about 21 states that do have background checks for purchasing a weapon, specifically a handgun. And by the way, people... By the way, the peep or people that have an issue with having a background check when purchasing a weapon are completely ludicrous in my opinion. One is because if you own a weapon now, you've especially a, a pistol, you probably have done the whole process of going to apply for a permit to purchase a pistol. Not only that, if you have a problem with having a background check, I can guarantee you that there's a gun store within 10 to 15 miles around every listener and all of us, which means it would make it easy to do. And two, if you currently own a weapon, like I said, you've probably gone through the same pro process of purchasing a weapon through a small arms dealer. You have to go through like different things, especially if you want to do something like, oh, I want to get an AR-15 with a short barreled rifle. You have to go through ATF to do that, to use a muzzle brake, things like that. You have to go through the ATF and you've probably done it. So you're used to the process. So it's probably not going to change much for that person. It's going to change for people that want to get a weapon for whatever they want to do with it, but want to do the least amount of work and want to live off the grid and away from or away from being under the government eye. In my opinion, when it comes down to selling weapons, the reason why they don't make a law or anything like that is because like the NRA profits from selling all these different permits and guns and like pushing 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 guns so why would they make extra steps because people are because it's going to mitigate people from saying ah it's too hard to buy a gun i'm not gonna buy it so instead we fight it and say let's not do that so we could keep keep selling guns because they have ties to a bunch of these gun manufacturers so in the case for purchasing a weapon from a private seller it's easy enough to go to one of these small arm dealers and have that dealer do a background check on the person that wants to purchase a weapon. Again, if you own a weapon, 
you probably have done this through a dealer. And that's maybe one way to do private sales. Maybe that could actually help make a difference. If someone really wants a weapon, why not go through the things to make sure that you're proper cool, common, collected, the right channels exactly to get it. Go to a small arms dealer and do all of it through them, but as a private party. One of the things I did want to touch on today before we get into the cases is that a very common thing that is said after a mass shooting is that the murderer has a mental health problem. I thought you were going to say thoughts and prayers, but that's a good one. First, I want to be very clear in that most people who have or suffer from a mental health problem are not violent. So this trope of mass murderers having mental health issues is devastating towards people who have mental health issue issues and who are not inherently violent because just because you have a mental health problem or mental health issues does not mean you are inherently violent. So when people claim that these mass shooters have a severe form of mental health, it's really hard to really verify that they have a mental health issue because oftentimes they don't survive the rampages that they go on. So it's nearly impossible to, without a doubt, confirm that they themselves have a mental health issue. Therefore, it's not really explicit evidence that these murderers have mental health issues at all or mental health is at the heart of their decision to go on a mass shooting spree. I just want to interject real quick as well with that. People say that a lot about serial killers too. And the thing is, like, even if that were true, that there's something, they have some kind of mental illness that causes them to, like, want to hurt people, these people know the difference between right and wrong. And as long as you can acknowledge those things, it like, it doesn't matter if you're mentally ill. Like, someone can be depressed and still not go fucking kill a bunch of people. We can acknowledge different levels of having a problem while still being accountable to your actions so yeah we have this tendency to prescribe like actions as symptoms so like in the u.s there is like especially with mental health they don't consider suicide to ever be a rational choice it is a symptom of a mental illness so for example that's a big deal in japan like people can make rational decisions to kill themselves it's not you a person who is totally mentally healthy may make that decision it is not a result of mental illness um, but we don't really take that approach in the u.s if someone killed themselves we automatically attach that they must have been an unwell person because that is not something a well person does and i don't think that's necessarily true and the same can be said for murder people make the rational choice outside of mental illness to murder people all the time. And like, just because someone went on a spree killing or something does not mean that they were battling with manic depression or schizophrenia or something like that. Because as we know from statistics, like the person who is most likely to be hurt by someone with schizophrenia is the person who has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. More likely to hurt themselves than anyone else. Or be hurt by other people because they have a mental illness. The stigma associated. That's why I hate the argument that it's a mental health issue because one, a lot of these cases we can't prove that, and two, is your solution to criminalize uh, mental illness? Because about 25% of adults in the United States have some form of mental illness. Like, actually, I've even seen of adults don't commit mass shootings. 
at any point, any given point throughout your life, like every single person struggles with mental illness at some point. I mean, if you can call having a cold, being like sick, having an illness, Mm -hmm. mental illnesses can range from a variety of things and a variety of severities. So like some, you know, I don't know. Experimental drug use. like (laughs) You can't just use mental illness as like a blanket statement for, I don't know how to stop this issue. (laughs) Right. Right. So, in an analysis done by Everytown Research, they found that while many people think that mass shootings are a random act of violence, they are actually heavily tied to domestic violence. So, 53% of mass shootings between 2009 and 2020, the perpetrator, usually a male, shot and killed current or former former intimate partners or family members during their rampage. So today when Robert and Andre are going through their cases, listen with intent. Try to decipher whether or not there were warning signs and if these crimes could have been prevented. Ultimately, what you want to ask yourself after the cases these cases presented is that does the United States of America have a gun problem? Yeah, and if you're like Laura Ingram on Fox News, you're just gonna blame it on legalizing marijuana, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> or <laughs> not arming schools enough and making them locked down enough. There's a segment where she literally said, "Well, why don't we just have a building in schools where you just have one entrance guarded by police and everything else is locked?" And it's like, "Ma'am, what if a fire happens and there's only one entrance everyone can get in and out of?" <laughs> not only that, my. Melinda, she talks about it all the time, and she hates the argument that teachers should carry weapons or that there should be that a teacher should have a, a game plan or whatever. Because my wife, she teaches uh, children, or she teaches children with disabilities, and it's hard for them sometimes to follow commands. So if they expect, you know, everything to go right when some of these some of these children are nonverbal. It's or react, very react naive. Stimuli, like you know, or so differently far than yeah. from like reality. Like no, not everyone could function at a higher or react the way functions. that you will want them to react in a serious situation. Like some kids shut down. Right. Some kids like kind of freak out. It's just you can't expect everyone to just be like robots and like all right now we're all gonna hide in this quiet room and be silent even though there's someone outside the door trying to kill us right just imagine the level with which we have militarized our police has not really helped in um preventing crime and yet we want to militarize our fucking teachers a teacher yeah and they're not even getting paid enough for it too like no. so what they're supposed to buy their own guns because they're not buying they can't even afford for the schools to buy themselves textbooks half the or time supplies. the teachers are supplying themselves yeah you're expecting yeah. them to supply their own guns next? It's crazy. Most of that argument comes from people outside the teaching community. I haven't seen as many of my friends who are in the education field who, you know, want that solution, if you even consider it a solution. I think it's a lot of people who don't really remember what it's like to be in education because the last time they were there was, you know, college or high school. And it's like at the same time in that same argument, it's like, all right, so do you expect that the schools are going to pay for every teacher to have a gun and every teacher to go through the training to be able to properly wield a gun and protect students? Whose money? How often do you need to be firing your gun to be proficient with it? Are you going to pay for their ammunition every single week for them to be at the range? 
Are you gonna see those hours? Or at least like once a month. Yeah, like no, it's not gonna happen. And I, I'm imagining like, so like in an army, you know, you go out to the shooting range and you shoot like for the National Guards like every other drills like once a month. And so even with that, these are like professionals who've been doing it for years. It's still chaotic and a hot mess to get people through to qualify properly. And there's still like people who you know, ND and shoot rounds off by accident or fucking shoot around the ground by accident. It's, if professional people in the military still struggle to qualify, I'm not going to expect my local teachers to do it too. Like, it's ridiculous. But I'm glad, Battle, you touched on mental health illness because that's a factor in the case that I'm going to be presenting. So now in July of 2017, 29-year-old Travis Jeffrey Rakin who suffers from schizophrenia, was arrested and charged with unlawful entry and trespassing near the White House. He claimed that he had a meeting with the president and was just going there to fulfill his meeting. Following the arrest, Illinois authorities revoked his state firearms license to carry weapons because you just committed a crime, you no longer get your guns. What happened after that is that his father convinced the local police to give him his son's weapons back and that he would secure them. After the police handed over the guns that they just seized to the father, the father gave his son back his weapons, and Travis went and committed a mass shooting at the local Waffle House just a few days later. So now, before we get into like the timeline of events, I bet you're wondering who is Travis Raking. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about him. He is from Morton, Illinois, and he has a long history of erratic behavior and suffers from delusions. He's a paranoid schizophrenic, and like we already said, just because you're a schizophrenic doesn't mean you're going to go out and be violent towards people. But sometimes, you know, people commit mass shootings, and this person was suffering with mental health illness, and he was not getting help or treatment. And even when he did show signs of erratic and dangerous behavior, like rushing the White House and having his guns taken away from him, he still was able to get his guns back and do a horrible crime. Earliest noted run-in with police was in 2016, a year prior to the event. While in the middle of a paranoid delusion in a drugstore parking lot, Travis thought that Taylor Swift was personally stalking him and hacking his phone. To be honest, I wouldn't put a pastor. She gives me weird, like, horse girl energy. <laughs> I don't trust Taylor Swift. During that incident, he got extremely violent with EMS, and it was noted in a police report that, quote, Travis is hostile towards police and does not rec recognize police authority. Travis also possesses several firearms. So now in 2017, police were called to a business after Travis rushed into his, so he had an apartment over top of a store. He came down from his apartment carrying one of his rifles, wearing a pink dress, and tossed his gun into the trunk of a car radically before leaving. People saw that, obviously, and was like, that's weird. And called the police because a man in a dress is running around with a gun. That same year, at the White House, he was arrested and his guns were taken away. But still, his father, Jeffrey, who he had a state's license for a gun, he asked the sheriff's department for the guns back. And he admitted to himself that he returned the guns to his son before the shooting. Also, I wanted to just add in a little tidbit. One in three mass shooters legally are prohibited from possessing the weapons they use during the shootings. So one out of three people aren't even allowed to have these weapons, yet they still manage to get them by other means. So we have initially a mentally unstable man with a violent history who has access to weapons and 
after all of this, you know, drama happened, he was allowed to move away to Nashville unsupervised. And that's where the shooting happened, which is like, in autumn of uh, 2017, after moving to Nashville, he was employed by a construction as by a construction company. And in January 2018, until 20 uh, until April 2018, he was fine, nothing wrong, no delusions. But he got fired in April after claiming his employers and people who were working with him were after him. So it seems as though he started kind of slipping back into, uh, you know, a, a manic state or another delusion and becoming detached from reality again. Four days after getting fired, he stole a BMW from a dealership, just broke into it, stole it, parked it somewhere else, and then a day before the shooting, he got into his truck, parked his truck outside of the Waffle House, sat in his car, got fully naked, put on a green jacket, got out of his car, and immediately opened fire on the Waffle House at 3 a.m. Uh, he was wielding one of his AR-15s, and he fatally shot two people outside of the Waffle House before making his way into the Waffle House and killing a third person and then wounding a fourth person who later died at a medical center. One customer, who was 29-year-old James Shaw Jr., suffered a bullet graze wound and hid in the restaurant's bathroom. While Travis was going through and trying to shoot other people, he jumped him from the bathroom uh, rustled him to the ground and got the rifle away from him. After getting subdued, Travis fled and ran off into the woods behind the Waffle House. Now, Travis was captured about 34 hours after the shooting because some construction workers in the area spotted him in the woods running around and trying to hide, and the police finally found him. Now, police say that when they found him, he was carrying a backpack with a 44 caliber handgun and enough ammunition to like carry out another attack due to his severe schizophrenia he was initially found incompetent to stand trial and committed to a mental hospital for treatment later that decision was changed and he was you know put on trial and charged with uh, four counts of first degree murder and that was all premeditated murder february 4th 2022 he was convicted of all his charges and after you know a couple years the people the victim of the mass shooting finally had found justice. So, was this preventable? I think so, because Tennessee has really weak laws against gun regulation. Well, it's, it's mixed. There's strong and weak laws. So, like, they close certain loopholes, like allowing domestic abusers to buy guns, and they also introduced some laws on like background checks but at the same time they still allow things like permitless carrying of guns they still allow guns on campus and they had are introducing a new expansion to the standard ground law too and with the average of 1,273 people dying a year of gun violence in in America you'd think they'd be more consistent with strengthening their gun laws across the board and not just you know picking and choosing Tennessee doesn't mean Tennessee has a shitty shitty uh you know regulation of guns and the black people in that state don't feel safe and they aren't safe and this shooting highlights how but uh, black people in Tennessee are nine times more likely to die of gun violence than their white counterparts in the same state so yeah, I think that mass shootings are preventable and lawmakers need to require background checks and everything like that too, because this was a preventable shooting. If they would have just seized those guns and kept the guns away from 
Travis, this wouldn't have happened. And now, a message from our sponsors. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Kind of touched on a couple of times throughout the episode right now that I think we should like touch on again is that um, a lot of like quote unquote responsible gun owners talk about, well, it is really hard to get a gun. I do have to go through a background check to do all of this. Um, That is simply because that person is taking the proper steps. If you're a responsible gun owner, you're going through those steps by going through a small arms dealer or something like that to get it registered with the state. Um, I think a lot of us who have frustration over these things say, yeah, but I can walk into a gun show at any age, pretty much, and buy a gun. Or I can go on Craigslist and trade a set of tires for a gun. Those are the kinds of things that we have to be able to restrict somehow. Make it illegal to sell a gun without a license. That is an easy way that now those people who are maybe responsible gun owners who are now tangentially involved with a a, a shooting or a crime of some sort are also liable. Not just for the gun you sold was used in a crime, but you committed a crime by selling this gun track the providence to this person. It has now disappeared. You know, our serial number says it's with you. Like, those kinds of changes to the law are- Yeah, I do want to add in that his dad, Jeffrey Raking, was uh, charged for giving him, you know, providing his son with those guns because that's illegal. And that should be, as it should be. <laughs> but uh, but still, yeah. He sh- but the fact yeah. is, is that he still got them. He still got them. Yeah, that's the point. It's like, he shouldn't have had them, especially after his, like, history. <laughs> yeah, so Robert, do you want to go on with your case? Yes. Uh, as I began research for this case... Um, I started exploring school shootings specifically. I'm from Colorado. School shootings are a really big deal there because of Columbine. You know, ever since I was very young, we had to do active shooter drills. Security in my public school was really tight. We had uh, armed resource officers. Uh, Wait, Robert, can I ask you a quick question? How do you feel about the Columbine fangirl groups on Facebook and Reddit? I think it's a lot of people who are fetishizing violence because that's what we do in our culture. And they're attaching a lot of, like, hormonal feelings of, like, horniness to dark subjects because they're interested in them. And it's unhealthy. So uh, have you, are there, like, any of those people in Colorado? Because I feel like anyone who actually lived I, in Colorado. I've never met anyone that was that way, but I'm sure there are. Um, That's a weird thing to me. <laughs> it's very weird. I mean, people do that to serial killers, too, and, like... Like the Richard Ramirez simps. Imagine sipping yeah. over it. He look like he smelled like shit. And it's like noted in history that he smells like shit. I mean, Ted Bundy got that woman pregnant while he was in jail. Oh yeah, he did. That's wild. <laughs> Feel bad for that poor kid. Yeah, imagine getting nutted like, in by a serial killer. Child. Girl, get girl, get up. <laughs> so the earliest recorded school shooting that I could find, it actually came up on a bunch of different lists. And I don't really agree with it being attributed as a school shooting. So I'm going to give you guys all of the facts of the case, and then we can kind of discuss about 
what truly is a school shooting? What does this all mean? It kind of raises a bunch of questions. So we're talking about 1764, so not technically the United States, but it occurred in Pennsylvania, uh, which at the time was controlled by the British. So in 1763, Pontiac's War, or Pontiac's Rebellion, began. So Ottawa War Chief Pontiac began a campaign of military resistance against British rule in North America, surrounding the modern-day Great Lakes region. This conflict occurred after British rule replaced Spanish, uh, and the British inherited the responsibility of diplomacy of the region with the native population. There were certain regions that the British Crown specifically said, we will not settle here, this belongs to the native people. Settlers began to spread into those regions, and it began a violent conflict between those two groups. Practice of scalping was common between both settler and native groups. Governor John Penn of Pennsylvania announced a promise of bounties to be paid to the white man for Indian scalps. Also, if I ever say Indian in this reading, it's because it's a direct quote. I use Native American as much as possible. Some of the quotes directly from here specifically use that term. Lieutenant Governor Robert Hunter Morris declared war and proclaimed a general bounty, Native American scalps and prisoners. The uh, promise was $150 for each male prisoner above the age of 12, or $130 for a corresponding scalp. So $130 for a male prisoner under the age of 12 or a female prisoner, and $50 for the scalp of a Native American woman. And for kind of context, $150 in uh, 1756 is about $8,000 today. So they would give you eight grand for giving them the scalp of a 13-year-old uh, enemy combatant. So on a particular grisly event during this period um, occurred, it was the morning of July 26th, 1764, three native men, sometimes they are described as warriors, uh, whether or not they were actually a part of Pontiac's uh, rebellion is kind of hard to determine. Three men entered the schoolhouse of uh, schoolmaster Enoch Brown. The men bludgeoned and shot the schoolmaster and then clubbed 10 students before scalping all of them. One student, Archie uh, McCullough, survived his scalping and hid in the fireplace before escaping and surviving his injuries. He lived to an old age, but reportedly experienced incredible trauma from the event. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would too. Research for this episode, I was actually really confused as to why it was being included on the list of school shootings within North America or within the U.S. Firstly, it wasn't technically the United States at the time, but it was in Pennsylvania, so what we considered modern-day USA. One person was shot, and even that one instance is debated about whether or not a gun was fired, or if uh, Enoch Brown was just clubbed to death. Also, during the same time period, uh, gangs of white settlers were actively scalping children in the same region. So, in my opinion, this uh, kind of glorification of this specific violence was a way to justify violence against Native American people in that area. So, whether or not Enoch was even shot, that's one person, and the thing that makes it a school shooting is what is that it took place at a school and involved children. Um, and while this, it's, it's especially horrible and brutal, and like, I'm not trying to minimize that in the slightest, I'm just, 
I'm not clear as to why it's included on a list of school shootings. It seems disingenuous, and it kind of raises some questions of me, or questions to me, about why why are school shootings a specific kind of crime in my mind when I think about like American crime. School shootings represent a very specific thing in my mind. So do mass murders conducted by military groups count? So if we kind of find that these three men were warriors for Pontiac, this is kind of a military operation in retaliation. Does that make it not a school shooting? I'm not sure. If we are including military operations at, in, with our school shootings, would we count the, the massacre of Wounded Knee as a school shooting? Because 300 Lakota men, women, and children were killed, including places where they were educated and taught. So, like, it is not a formal schoolhouse in the Western uh, thought process, but, you know, this tribal group was living in an area, and they taught people in that area, and then we killed 300 of them. Is like, But it was done by the U.S. military, so does that make it not a school shooting? Because it was done by the arm of the state and not by a public or like a private individual. So what what makes the setting of school special and important to classify these killings? If you would destroy an entire tribe of people, you have killed everyone, including their places of education and learning, and including their children. I think that's what makes it different or unique in my eyes is that schools are supposed to be safe spaces and it's for vulnerable people like children. So anytime there's a mass murder or killing that is conducted in a place that has some sort of like sacred nature to it, like a school where we like house our vulnerable people, it feels worse. Um, so I don't like, what do you guys think? If, if Enoch Brown was shot, did, would you consider this a school shooting? A shooting. It might not be a mass shooting, but I'd still consider it a school shooting. There's like a little weird, a little bit of overlap with that kind of thing. And I guess the reason why Wounded Knee would not be considered is because it was everyone, which is more of a genocide or a massacre than, say, a school shooting. Yeah, that makes sense. Because the only thing that was giving me pause, it was like, cause they couldn't really confirm if someone got shot, right, you said? So there's, there's conflicting accounts. Um, because again, this is like the 1700s. Yeah. History kind of gets muddled. And if you read a lot of the historical accounts, people really get poetic with how brutal these murders were. Uh, and every once in a while, they'll kind of gloss over that, you know, there were gangs of white settlers that, like, exterminated entire tribes. In Wait, that, 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 that's bad for press. No one's in, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a brutal conflict, and there's violence on, you know, uh, the side of the settlers and the native people. And I don't want to, I don't want to minimize that. You know, these children should not have died or been scalped. Like, that is a horrible thing. I can imagine, like, scalping someone and just being like, all right, let me go get some money. Let me go throw it in a sack, yeah. My just the thought sack. of that, I can't imagine, especially if they are still alive and they're doing that to them, like, torturing them. It doesn't... I can't understand how that was a normal thing. In that... that price breakpoint was 12 years old so if they were you know 13 years old they're you know considered the the higher price for the scalp um so how how do you know how do you know someone's age like what do you do with all the scalps you get settlers yeah 
you gotta collect all these scalps and then you just say nope i guarantee they were all 13 years old and then you just get paid i would literally just go around like just like skinning squirrels and be like yeah no this is just <laughs> this is some little boy's head give me my money so what i decided to cover is um at this point what can we do to reduce gun violence in the u.s um, since, you know... Take all the guns! <laughs> well, and I mean, there's, like, multiple levels with which, you know, we could, lack of a better term, attack this problem that we're just choosing not to. I mean, as Battle said, like, one of the greatest indicators of whether or not someone might become a school shooter is violence. 70% of mass shooters are connected to domestic violence. I mean, even, I think... We covered the DC snipers and his entire killing spree was a cover so that he could kill his wife without, while seeming random. One of the things too is making school buildings more secure while also not treating students like criminals because shootings that happen are not actually by necessarily students, at least the ones that we've been seeing recently. And they're also saying that, like, the more that we do that, I'm uncomfortable at school and it actually decreases student performance. I know personally, because of the Facebook pages and things like that, my local sheriff's office has decided to up police, like, police presence at our county schools, which, what really is of consequence to that? It's not going to change anything. And it just came out recently that they were having, they had suppressed a scandal where one of their officers was fraternizing with a teenage girl. So, like, oh. how much are they really protecting these kids, you know? I mean, they themselves <laughs> can be predators. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, bro, you got one job, and that was to, pre- to like, protect the children, not touch them. <laughs> but, I mean, isn't that the thing, too? With power, people think that they are above the law. Another suggestion could be creating a licensing system similar to but more rigorous than for driving the fact that we do more to make sure people are prepared to drive on the road than to own a fucking gun i mean can both of these things kill people yes which one was designed to kill people and we don't and we have less regulation for that it doesn't really make any sense i mean yeah and age requirements do so much as well as the vast majority of mass shootings in this country have been committed by people who obtained guns legally. Another thing that we could do is put policies in place that can actually address warning signs in individuals so that we can prevent these attacks. So obviously we're all consumers of true crime. We've seen time and time again people saying that they knew something was wrong with the perpetrator, but could but nothing could be done until they hurt someone. I mean, we see that consistently said with uh, victims of stalking. Like, why is it that we can only address crime after people have been hurt or killed? Even, like, the signs are ignored. I mean, with both the Isla Vista and Virginia Tech shooters, their parents tried to involve law enforcement before the shooting, only to be disregarded. This is not only a problem insofar as with policies regarding the purchase of guns, but with policing as well. Cops do not protect us or prevent crime. They only enforce the law once a crime has been committed. Some states are adopting laws that allow extreme risk protection orders. 
So this makes it so that individuals are temporarily unable to purchase or even possess firearms if they pose a serious risk to others. I don't see why we shouldn't be doing that across the board. As well as, I don't personally understand how we can have this becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And yet, recently, states like Ohio just made it um, legal to concealed carry without any kind of permit. Which, I mean, like, I don't know. I asking for trouble with that. Yeah. If you, if you can't even go and get training in, and I'm not saying like, yeah, we do background checks and all that stuff. Like, um, I've seen the process here, how we do it in Virginia and like, yeah, there's some hoops you have to jump through, but it's really not that difficult. And if you can just go buy one, if, especially if you're a young person, like most of these shooters are tend to be between the ages of like. 16 and like 25 you know they're not going to have much of a record to begin with if if they are someone who might have like have a history of violence yeah like the, the uvoldi guy and the uh, uh tosa guy neither one of them had any type of criminal record yeah and that's really i mean as far as the background checks with the atf that's really i think the majority of the standard with which you are either granted access or denied um, purchasing a weapon, so. So something you touched on that I liked, a comparison between getting your driver's license and, you know, getting a permit to have a gun. You know, why can't we design a a system similar that, you know, you have to go through gun safety courses before you can purchase any any firearm? Not Not just handguns or not just concealed carry guns, but everything. Because that would cause that would cause less people to buy guns because they don't want to go through the whole rigmarole, and that would hurt gun sales. You know, the gun lobbyists don't want that. <laughs> and it's like gun violence is one hundred percent preventable. Like if you go to websites like uh, Every Town, which Battle uses as a source, they are like a wealth of knowledge, uh, and they and they really showcase how much of an epidemic it is. Because like since the last time we talked about shootings. There was a shooting threat at a local high school near me in my town. And then the night prior, there was a mass shooting in Philadelphia where like a couple of my friends, my partner was out there and they, they had like, just missed it basically. And it's like, that's two, that's two close calls within like the same week. There were two shootings in Pittsburgh yesterday. Yeah, one was like an infant, wasn't it? You said, that one, you said the article That was about? a different one. From like a week oh, before, oh. yeah. <laughs> America does have a, I think America does have a mass shooting and gun issue, and there's one side that really just wants to pretend as though if we arm every single American, that will like end gun violence across the board. When that's just not the case. The good guy argument fails, and it shows that at the Uvalde shooting, because what happened with the good guy with the guns, they f- they fumbled the ball, and <laughs> they waited outside until he was done. And that's the thing that people don't recognize too, is your fight or flight goes off. You're yeah. parasympathetic. You're going to do one of two things, well, so and you're ground or not. In that situation, I've been like looking at it, following it. It seemed more like a command and control issue, and that the police. Uh, the person calling the shots basically thought that, oh, he's barricaded in a room. He's not going around shooting kids anymore. So instead of going in there as an active shooter, they waited outside to wait for more orders because they thought they were preparing for 
a barricaded a person being barricaded in a room but she wasn't barricaded in a room he was still freely moving around the school and shooting people but yeah no it's, it's a fight or flight thing and it's also when these things are happening we're humans people make mistakes and this guy the police they fucked up and like relaying relying information between each other to act appropriately which caused lives so like we shouldn't just hope that the good guys are going to figure it out and come in and save the day because guess what those good guys are people who make simple mistakes and <laughs> are yeah like, you can't just assume that the cops are just going to come in and save everyone at every single moment the we also like hear the yeah, argument also, a lot that we have it. to have oh sorry we also get the argument a lot that we have to have guns because we have to be able to resist the state that if you know we live under a tyrannical rule we have to be able to rise up and resist the state um that's not the case. You cannot fight the U.S. military. You cannot shoot down a predator drone. There's nothing you're doing about that. And you you, you can't even own explosives. You know, we bar you from purchasing explosives. That Those are tools of war, and we make that distinction. But for some reason, when it comes to, uh, you know, long barrel rifles that have high capacity magazines that can shoot semi-automatic, we don't. And that doesn't make sense to me. I think that if you're listening to this episode, I think one takeaway you should take away is like, think about to yourself if America has this issue and what you can do to combat that. And that's really just getting educated, getting active, talking about it, having those conversations, especially with your Republican parents at dinner. It's going to be awkward, (laughs) but don't be afraid to yell at an old person. And I think that, like, the most perfect, like, analogy for this is the one that people always use for birth control. It's easier to take the bullets out of a gun than shoot a bulletproof vest. Like... Yeah. Like, it's it's literally that simple. And yet we keep trying to um, over-engineer these situations so that we don't have to do the basics. Sad shit. But... That was the episode. And I hope that we uh, educated you, made you think about some shit, and hope you enjoyed the show because this is actually the season finale. We're going to be taking a smidge of hiatus. Uh, we're going to be back like in a couple weeks. We're not going to be gone that long. But if you don't come see us, we are going to be at the True Crime Festival in Dallas this August. We're going to have a little table, we're going to be chilling. The whole game's going to be there, minus Robert. He has uh, work and model things to do because he's a hot boy. <laughs> battle's gonna I really be, want to be there. He yeah, he's got his hot voice. <laughs> yeah, Battle's going to be there, too. You can see how small he is in person. Gonna... <laughs> 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 but no, it's going to be a great time. We might even do like a little live show, too. We'll, but we'll see. But yeah, no, just thanks for listening. Enjoy the music. Subscribe and like. Uh, We'll see you next season. Kisses from the homies.
now have breaking news. Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.